Welcome. This episode is going to be awesome. I hope you're ready. We're going to talk with Barton Ramsey of Southern Oak Kennels, and I'm going to let you in on a little conversation we had talking about some of the challenges that are faced in retriever training and some really incredible, insightful tips and how to overcome some of these challenges, including uh, one of these challenges we talk about is about the water dog that could not swim. So, With that said, let's get started. You're listening to the Build From Here podcast, a podcast for the hunter and sporting dog enthusiast alike. Join your host, Joshua Parvin, as he interviews retriever owners and discusses the trials and triumphs that lead to a great gun dog. Build From Here is presented by Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, online resources to help you train your retriever. Now, your host, Joshua Parvin. Welcome to the Build From Here podcast. I am super stoked that you're here, and it's going to be great. So wherever you're at, grab a seat, get ready. We've got an incredible episode planned for you. For those that do not know me, I'm Josh Parvin. I'm co-founder of Cornerstone Gundog Academy. And for this podcast, we wanted to put together something that we can all learn from, that we can all dive in and connect. And the way we're going to do that is through basically just diving in, talking, and sharing experiences from those that are brand new dog owners and even those that are pros and that have been doing it forever. You know, the one thing that we all share in common is the desire to, to turn our dogs into something great. And we all have that vision of where we want those dogs to, to go. And, you know, when you're first starting out, if you're diving in, maybe you've never even had a dog before, you know, thinking about that vision, having that, that journey in mind. And, It's something that pulls you in and then you get going and then the going gets tough. There's hills and valleys and, you know, sometimes uh, some hills are bigger than others. So uh, what we're going to do, dive in and share some experiences of how to navigate those hills and valleys. But tonight is a very special episode. We have Barton Ramsey, who is owner of Southern Oak Kennels, as well as co-founder of Cornerstone Gundog Academy. And he's going to be sharing some great insights. And really, we're just going to talk back and forth again about some of these challenges that we've faced in our own training. And I think what better way to do that than starting this episode off with Barton. So with that said, how's it going, Barton? Hey man, it's going great. I've actually, uh, I told you earlier, I've lost my voice a little bit. So just perfect for podcast recording on episode number one of Build From Here. Uh, Good timing there on my part, yelling at my kid, uh, cheering him on at his baseball game tonight. Um, But yeah, I'm super, super stoked to uh, be launching this together and uh, for the conversations that are going to happen and hopefully for how much that helps everyone out. I'm just, uh, it's a killer idea. I'm stoked to be a part of it as usual with the ideas that come out of our Cornerstone uh, group and the guys that founded that. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Excited as well. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be great. So you said you had a ball game with your son. Did that go pretty well for him tonight? It went great, man. They're 3-0 and and having fun. And it was super interesting because uh, a guy walked up with a really good-looking, uh, like, eight-week-old uh, Fox Red uh, Labrador pup, so a yellow lab and very dark, dark yellow. And even Bethany was like, that's a beautiful puppy. And I was like, yeah, that is a pretty puppy. And uh, the guy walked up to Bethany with his wife, and they knew one another and started talking. And 
she said, that's a really, really beautiful dog. And he said, yeah, his father is uh, a dog named Red from Southern Oak Kennels. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that's my dog. And uh, anyway, it was cool. It was another kennel that had used Red as a stud dog. And, and his son happened to be playing my son in baseball tonight. And they had one of the puppies. So what anyway, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was wild. So lots of socialization for that pup going on in baseball games. So it was good. Wow. Yeah. And it doesn't get much better. That's a, that's a great, great place to socialize. So, you know, with a vision in mind, talking about challenges, um, I'm sure you can probably think of some off the top of your head. I, I know there's some of those challenges that I've faced and we, and we all face them, but there's just some that really, really just ring a bell that you know, just comes up to mind pretty quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, when we chat about that, I actually was thinking today when you mentioned some some issues i was remembering when you had a particular issue with a dog that i if i remember correctly just couldn't figure out swimming um (laughs) maybe you called me about it and and it's a long time ago i can't remember the breeding on the dog but we talked about it and it was when you were training same grounds that you have but you have that kind of that that low kind of lake area that's in the valley sort of uh, maybe it's even a, a river or something that comes through there and uh, you were trying to figure out how to how to fix it in that area and I don't remember much more about the context but uh, I I actually had a guy who called the other day about a puppy and he asked if the, both the parents could swim and I said <laughs> yeah of, of course they're they're Labradors and he was like man I had one that I had to wash out because he couldn't swim and I was like what do you mean he was like he just he, he splashed he, he wouldn't stop splashing water so uh, yeah, man. What did, what did you do? Tell us, tell us about the pump and how, <laughs> how that seems to have stood out to you a little bit. In oh, your, it did. Uh, your training. It did. I mean, it's one of those things that you, it just stumped me and it's not a common issue or that common anyways, in, in my experience and, and everyone that I've talked to, um, as well, but the Labrador that could not swim, his name was Sam and it, it just shocked me. So we were going down his training at this stage was we were crushing it. He was just breezing through. And so we go down, it's time to intro water and we go down to this area. We've got this lake, as you said, it's down near the valley there. And it's, it's actually a lake that's where there's a big levee in between it. And then there's a river. So we're sitting there, we've got the, we've got the lake here and I'd already done some like pre intro to water, but shallow water, nothing that he had to swim in. So I knew he was comfortable with it, had he showed no aversion to it. And so we just toss, I just tossed a bumper right in the edge and this dog, Sam just jumps in way over the, just over the bumper into the water. And once he jumped in, he went over to the place to where it's going to be over his head. He can't stand anymore. And he starts splashing like a lot of dogs do when they first jump in and it's their first time in the water. So I'm sit there for a few seconds and thinking, okay, he's probably going to kick it up. Well, I wait a little bit longer and all of a sudden it's like time's starting to stand still. I'm starting to realize this dog is, is not going to figure it out. He's only using his, his front paws and he starts basically just paddling around in a circle and not like a full circle, but basically his body is doing a 360 in the water. And so I decided to wait a little longer and I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous at this point you know, because I've never, I've never seen this. And then all of a sudden he starts to slightly go into the water. I think I've got to do something about this. So I strip down and I dive in and I oh go boy. out there and get this dog and pull him back in. And then 
we sit down and I look at him and he looks happy as he can be. It didn't scare him any. So I'm thinking, okay, well, my, my first reaction was, oh, great. This dog is going to be a scared of water now. And then I just toss the bumper in the edge again. And this time he decides to do the same thing. He just leaps straight in. And I've never seen such a, a leap into the water. This is, this is ta- when we say explosive water entry, when you, when you hear people talking about, I want a dog that busts water. Well, this dog had the bust in the water part, but after that, he was <laughs> just not <laughs> sure about what to do. And so I actually did that a couple of times and I had to swim out each time. And so then I, I I'm scratching my head. And at this point I decide, well, we just, we got to pack it up. We got to go home because it, we're not getting anywhere. And so, uh, you know, at that stage, that's, that's when I went home, I thought about it and I scratched my head and I thought, I just need to get on the phone with Barton here and, and talk through this. And, you know, I had called you and I, I think it kind of shocked you a little too. Yeah. I had not, I mean, I, I definitely have had some, some splashers and for a couple of reasons I've had, you know, the ones who, they wanted to try to touch the bottom, it seemed like, with their back legs. So they would kind of go vertical and splash, but they, they you know, they, they would, you could see their back legs like reaching down to touch. And then I've had the ones that really want to look. So rather than being comfortable with their face right on the bottom of the water, you know, right above the water, they wanted to reach their neck up real high to kind of look and see, which would cause them to splash. Right. So that's the, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was my experience, but it just wasn't uh, wasn't like yours. They usually a couple good swims figured it out, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and especially once they got a dummy in their mouth, they would level out, you know, and and swim better. So I don't think that's how it worked with you, though. No, no, it's not. And you you kind of mentioned that. So I went back out, and you know, you take the the, op- the opposite approach of where we had that bumper close. Well when we decided, hey, maybe if we get the bumper in his mouth, maybe this dog will go ahead and swim. So toss the bumper way on out there this time, about to where he's leaping. He leaps and gets the bumper and still starts swimming around in the same three little 360 pattern. He's not swimming. It's only his front leg. So his body is basically just sitting still in the water, but just spinning <laughs> around. And so I had to swim out there again and get that dog. And I had to go back to the drawing board. And we had to get a little creative on this one. So I actually had a, an assistant trainer with me, and I told him, I was like, look, we're going to have to get this thing fixed. This dog's going to have to get this together. And, you know, the way we decided to do it was we took a little a little flat-bottom boat, and what we decided to do was we, we put a regular slip lead on that was a little bit longer, and we mm-hmm. put that on his neck and then kind of tied it around his waist in essentially what's called a half hitch. So it's not going to hurt him, not going to apply too much pressure, but it's going to allow us to bring those rear legs up. And we put the trolling motor on that boat. We got the dog in the water. We, we got going and started pulling up on his back legs. And then he started kicking a bit and then he would kind of go back down and he started kicking a bit as we helped pull him up and then start going back down. And so what we did is just drove on along for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, it's like it clicked, and he, he realized, I can use my back legs. And so we kind of let him go beside the boat and kind of just we gave him a good few minutes of swimming so that we made sure he never forgot about using his back legs. But once it kind yeah. of clicked after that, it, it, it made pretty much sense for him. He didn't really have that big of an issue. He still had, like, your puppy splashing as – we kind of went through in the training a bit, but that all leveled out. But that's that is one of the ways that we had we had to teach the Labrador a Labrador Retriever, you know, a water dog, how how to swim. <laughs> Man, 
that's something else, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that, you know, not a lot of people would face that, but I do think a lot of people might give up on a situation like that. And, um, there are a lot of solutions to dog training issues that if you just think outside of the box a little bit, um, they can be very, very helpful. Uh, we've, we don't have time to get uh, into it all tonight, but uh, I've got a trainer who works for Southern Oak at SOK East named Parrish Major. Mm-hmm. And uh, Parrish is the guy that I call when I have like a significant issue. And I'm like, man, I don't know. And there have been some dogs that have come through that uh, I'm like, I don't know if this, I don't know if this dog is gonna, <laughs> gonna make it, you know, and he's the one who can figure out these just absolutely off the wall, completely different methods to get stuff going with dogs and uh, some of those things that he does are just they're they're unbelievable and i'm so i call him when i have a crazy issue like that i'm like hey man i need your help and you know he's like well this is what i do and i'm like man that's genius i never would have thought of that and sure enough it worked so anyway i love that you said that thinking outside the box and you know so often it just requires that every dog's different you know the the principles are the same all dogs learn the same but sometimes you you just got to get a little creative with your dog and, and help them win. That That's the goal. Make, set them up for success. And, you know, I never thought I'd have to do that, but Hey, it worked. And, and once we did it, he was awesome. And he still had the explosive entry. You know, the beautiful thing was he was kind of that just hard driving dog that it didn't matter what happened. He was, you know, that was my concern, but he, he was stoked when he, when he jumped into the water and still was even after we got him, got him swimming. Right. So, you know, that, that's one of my, my stories. What about, you know, Let's take a little, a slightly different approach. Let's, let's kind of look at some, one of the big lessons you've learned about maybe working with some different uh, different dogs. Because as we said, you know, every dog's different. You've got some dogs that are super hard driving. You've got some dogs that are hard driving, but they're they're soft, if that makes sense. And then you've you know, you've got all kinds of different dogs. So what? Let, let's talk a little about that. I think maybe you've got some good input there. Yeah. So, you know, I got into this whole thing with Springer Spaniels and then transitioned from Springers to Labradors. And my first experience with Labradors, uh, they were British bred Labradors, but they weren't quite as soft as what a lot of people I think would, would have been around except for Earl, which you wound up with. Uh, he was, you know, not super soft, but definitely had a soft sort of uh, you know, careful side to him. Oh, yeah. But when I say soft, you know, for those who are just getting into dog training, I'm really talking about uh, the ability to, to handle pressure. Uh, so anything that's perceived as, as negative for the dog, uh, whether it's some sort of punishment or uh, even pressure from like a slip lead, a loud voice, that sort of stuff, anything they perceive as a negative, um, some dogs handle that. Every dog handles it differently, right? Some dogs really thrive in that. Maybe they came from a pedigree where a lot of pressure was used to train those dogs. And I learned to train, not necessarily heavy-handed, but using a lot more pressure than I do now. And that was what I was taught, you know, that was what I was shown. And as I got into it and started training more dogs, I, uh, I, I got a couple of softer dogs. The first one that comes to mind is Angie. Uh, who ended up being a really great mama dog for Southern Oak Kennels. That, and I imported her as a young female from, uh, she was probably a year old, I imported her from Ireland. And I picked her up in Atlanta. And when she got him, when I got her out of the kennel, she was terrified. You know, uh, one year old, lived with one guy her whole life. The next thing she knows, she's on an airplane going to America. 
So, you know, she was terrified and she didn't want anything to do with me. She, I put her in the front seat of my car to try to just like love on her a little bit. And she stuck her head between the car and the, or the seat and the center console, buried her nose in there and didn't move the whole way home. And, uh, she ended up loving me and we had a lot of fun. In fact, I think you've seen her and, and you had yes. one of her daughters, you know, for a while and you've seen her work and some field trials, some British style field trials and saw how, you know, she's fantastic in the field. Great dog. But man, she was so soft. And, uh, I was told that when she was younger, she had been spurred by a pheasant and, uh, that she was kind of fearful of pheasants. Well, I didn't think about it. And one time I was running, a blind and I put out a bunch of random birds and I ran, you know, three, four, five dogs on this blind. And Angie was the last dog and the only bird left was a pheasant. <laughs> and she went out there and just refused to pick it up. And, you know, she ended up leaving that pile, running to a different pile and picking a duck up and bringing it back to me. And I was like, all right, no, no, we're going to get this pheasant. So <laughs> out we go. And in my mind, I was like, well, I'm about to force this dog to pick this pheasant up. Yep. And by the end of this wrestling match, she is laying on the ground, crouched down 10 feet away from me. And if I took a step toward her, she took five steps away from me Oh man! and would not do, I mean, wouldn't heal, wouldn't go get a mark. I, I was trying to do fun bumpers. She just completely shut down hundred percent my fault. I just applied too much pressure. Right. And I remember at the time I was like, I am done with soft dogs. I'm never doing this. You know, I'm super frustrated and, uh, this is the, that's the moment in training where I get a lot of phone calls from people now where they're like, I'm ready to, you know, get rid of this dog and I don't know how to move forward. And I love helping people in that moment. But at that time, I didn't know what to do. And, uh, it's been interesting learning. I'm, I'm doing hole conditioning with a very soft pup that you've met. Uh, his name is ice. Oh yeah. And you know, I put, we're, I'm doing it with as, as positively as I can, you know, and, and we're like 10 days in, which is way longer than it normally takes for me and dogs doing hole conditioning. And I put the dummy in his mouth today. I walk 10 feet away, actually still in a paint roller, paint roller's mouth. I walk 10 feet, 10, 12 steps away and recalled him. And he just froze, like completely froze. Wow. And I took two steps from him toward him and he dropped the paint roller and ran back to his kennel. No pressure applied. And, uh, you know, that used to would have driven me nuts. You know, I would have lost my cool and I, I would have had basically shut the whole thing down. But, you know, I was like, no, we're going to, we're not going to get mad. Uh, we're going to stay calm and we're going to teach. And 10 minutes later, he's running to me with the dummy. You know, we just had a little, <laughs> little lapse. And I have, I've changed my, my sort of my mindset when it comes to soft dogs. I used to be really like anti soft dog and, and through working with a bunch of them now it's really my preference is hey, don't get mad, don't don't use pressure, don't rely on you know, a lot of people just rely on being able to put pressure on the dog and the dog just complies. Uh, I want to teach the dog. I want to teach the dog to want to do something. Yeah. And so, you know, going from not knowing how to get a dog to pick up a pheasant when she's a little bit scared of a pheasant and almost ruining my relationship with the dog by being too angry, too aggressive, too loud, too forceful to having a dog freeze in the driveway, similar sort of issue and saying, all right, we're not going to get mad, buddy. We're going to figure this out together and being able to teach through it and simplify. Uh, that's been a huge change in my training over the last 10, 12 years. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot more fun. My blood pressure is a lot lower now when I'm in the field than it was back then, for sure. Oh, yeah, I understand. You know, I'm kind of the same way there. I think one thing 
just I love that that story you shared with us and, and so recent of the pup just dropping and going back to its kennel. And I think a lot of people can relate to maybe not necessarily even that specific scenario, but whatever it is, whatever the the challenge is that they're facing, and they freak out and then they 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 get upset and worried, oh my gosh, my dog's never gonna turn out. Or maybe that's and all the people I've mm-hmm. talked to and coached, that's some of the emotions that they're feeling. I, I don't think my dog's gonna make it. But five mm. minutes later, ten minutes later, look, you got this dog coming straight back to you. And sometimes the breakthrough is just that close. And all it took was a slightly yep. different approach and and just being calm and realizing you got to trust the process. And if you keep going and you keep focusing on building that bond, you're gonna get there. I love that that story you shared there because that 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 means so much. And it can really, really, if you understand and grasp that and and realize. It, you're going to make it, you know, especially for, yeah. the, for those that only have one dog that, that can make it a little nerve wracking because you're thinking, well, I've got this one dog. I don't have any other option. If this thing doesn't work out, well, you know, what, <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah, I, uh, I agree completely. And I think that there, there's some important aspects to this that and people need to, to think about. And we've talked about it a lot. I know you and I have, and we've talked about, you know, videos that would help with this specifically videos on mindset while training um you know being able to ask the right question okay so my dog ran back to the kennel uh asking questions like why did they do that why did he go back to the kennel um i feel angry you know i'm i'm mad <laughs> but if i if i go snatch up the dog uh, and grab him by the scruff and drag him back out here. What is that going to teach him? You know, what, what, what is, what am I communicating to the dog? If I go do that, being able to ask those types of questions and respond in the moment will make you, it'll make or break you as a dog trainer. Uh, if you just respond emotionally with doing whatever it is you want to do because you feel angry, you're, you're going to lose your relationship with your dog, which is so important. Um, but if you say, Hey, look, uh, what am I trying to teach? What's the goal here? What's he going to learn if I do, you know, this and, and take a deep breath and respond appropriately, man, you'll go a lot further in your training for sure. Oh, you're right. It, may, it makes such a big difference. And, you know, I, one thing I, I would like to add to you, um, and just thinking about it, you know, a little tip, a little value to add, I, I feel that, uh, you know, sometimes you do make the wrong call as a handler. Um, everybody does, uh, pros and, and the first time owner. Sometimes you, you do get a little angry and, and yeah. sometimes you mess up. You know, one, one of the things that, um, you know, I found that, you know, if you do make a mistake, if you, if you get a little upset and you, you basically, I call it the trust bank, you're either, you're either d- depositing or you're withdrawing, or you putting in, you're building trust or you're taking away trust. Uh, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it, it's just a little withdrawal. If you messed up, do better next time. I, I, I know uh, in my own training, it is a battle of the mind when you're out there. So sometimes if you mess up, you can be thinking, oh man, I just, I know I messed up right there. And And then you're getting distracted when in reality you could be still making progress with your dog and focusing on that bond because the dogs are so, you know, generous in, in their forgiveness and they're so willing to, to, to mold and bend because they want to please you. They, they want to please, 
um, their honor. But, you know, one thing you, you mentioned with Angie, let, let's kind of take a, a, a detour down that road a bit. So, you know, having that happen, you know, to, she's a great dog. I mean, she turned out incredible, even even with all of that. What mm. I know you, you definitely had some a rocky road ahead of you, but what was, do you, do you remember the, the turning point or maybe around the time that you started realizing, okay, this is, this is actually starting to work a little better with, with Angie. Yeah. So when I realized that I had done some damage to my relationship with her, um, I just sort of went back and I remembered advice, uh, from my mentor who just, he had asked me several times, you know, this, what are you teaching the dog with, with what you're doing right there? And so I backed up and I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to actually work on teaching her that a pheasant's a good thing. Um, but mostly I'm going to work on teaching her that I'm a trustworthy leader. So really tried to be positive about everything, really simplified everything for her and then realized, you know, figure out that dog, what makes her most excited? Well, for Angie, it was, um, two things, verbal praise and, um, a nice little rub on the under the chin when she got back. Uh, her delivery, if you'll remember, was like impeccable, and it was because she she loved like a soft little rub on the chin as like a good girl. You did you did the right thing. So when she came back, she would run up to you and then slowly lift her head up with the bird, like, "All right, did I do right? Did I do right?" And so I just learned that those are the two things that get her pumped. So I'm going to work hard to make sure that, you know, if she makes the right decision in the field, then she's going to get a verbal, you know, good girl immediately, you know, and from that, that little realization on our relationship took a turn for the better. And I just, you know, did everything I could to set her up for success, knowing that she didn't learn very well through failure and correction. And, uh, and she took off from there. I think we, we actually ran a, uh, I wasn't even going to run her in a trial one time and they needed an extra dog. So I signed her up and we won the thing. And, uh, she just, you know, she was great, man. She was a super fun dog. I, I miss having her around. Um, but yeah, just mindset, honestly, mindset and relationship and building trust. That's it. That is, that is some of the, the most important keys. And, you know, it, it, Sometimes it's hard to do. I mean, if we're all being real, that is hard to do. But uh, if you're if you're conscious and you're thinking about it, and you know, that's why we wanted to talk about this tonight. And if you're thinking about those type of things and you're thinking about the decisions that you're making out of there in the context of, of what you've just heard here, uh, you know, it can make a, it can make a huge huge difference. You know, one one thing that you know to to keep in mind too is you know we're talking about reading dogs and understanding your specific dog. Um, and every single dog is is different. They're all different. Now, there, some have similar are sim- similar in areas, and then but at the end of the day, they're all different. And it's one of those things that it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to read a dog completely overnight. You've got to learn that dog. It's it's a relationship thing. Uh, you know, building that relationship. Do you have any tips for for anyone listening here uh, about maybe reading their dog a little better, or about maybe how to get better at that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we describe a lot of it in the videos, you know, yeah. body language. Uh, make, take mental notes, you know, when you react a certain way. Uh, I mean, to, to give you an example, I, I train a good bit at the house uh, with my cousin with Stone, and uh, he's great. 
uh, he, you know, he has things that he does sometimes, and I don't think he realizes that he's doing it. And he turns around to me and he's like, why is the dog responding that way? And I'm like, well, think about it. How, what, what, is, what do you think the dog is responding that way from? What is it that you do that would cause the dog to respond that way? And after thinking about it for a second, he's like, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. You know, now I know. So it's, it's taking those mental notes and saying, okay, even if it's like, hey, this, this whole thing went very poorly, right? This didn't go well. What happened? what triggered this to go poorly uh, and what can we do differently next time? And taking those mental notes rather than just reacting. Oh, it didn't go well. So I'm going to try, you know, actually asking the questions, why did that happen? Why did the dog respond that way? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think is super helpful in reading your dog better. Absolutely. And definitely it's a thinking man's game. You've got to, you've got to be thinking about it. You've got to be, really paying attention to it and uh 100%. One other one other little road we could we could go down real quick is you know we we just talked a little bit about challenges but you know what about that feeling when you when you've overcome when you when you get your dog to a level and really you get that dog you get your dog at a peak level performance. Just talk a little bit about that and really more so uh, how that feels because I know there's some that are going to be listening to this that are probably in the thick of it and as you can uh, as you can tell when you're in the thick of it it can be a little discouraging but you know there's some light around the end of, at the end of that tunnel there if you keep if you keep trucking you'll get to the summit of the mountain so uh, you know just diving a little a little on you know a peak performance dog yeah uh, you know I think about Angie and um I was able to take her later on to uh, some pheasant shoots down at, at a place in Mississippi here where they do that sort of thing and uh, just run her on dozens and dozens of pheasant retrieves, just crushing it, you know, <laughs> and remembering, man, there was a time where you wouldn't even look at a pheasant. You know, and now we're here and all these people are watching Southern Oak dogs and I'm sending you out on these blind retrieves for big, you know, pheasants that have gone out in the woods and all that stuff. And you're just, you know, getting every one of them. You know, that's a super cool feeling. Um, super cool feeling when you, when you gain that level of success and you remember the hard work that went into it and the time and that, you know, it, uh, it takes a lot of time. Uh, it takes a lot of work and it took a lot of steps to get there and you can't skip any of them, you know? And, uh, and you can't give up either. If I'd have given up on her picking up pheasants, you never would have been able to do that cool stuff. That's right. So there's definitely an awesome feeling of success when you when you work it out, when you have a relationship with your dog where, you know, I don't know how many of you guys listening have felt this, but when you're in the blind and a bird is shot and it's a, you know, it's a pretty good retrieve, which oftentimes those are like normal retrieves and in, in training scenarios. But in a real hunt, you got a bird that sails out and maybe it lands in some cattail somewhere. And you have that feeling of, Oh, I know we got this. You know, I, I send the dog and whether, whether he marked it or I have to handle a little bit, like I know the dog's coming back with this bird. That's an awesome feeling. And, oh, yeah. uh, it, it makes it so much well, you know, worth the work that had to be put in the meantime to get there. Oh yeah. There's nothing like it. It is worth every, bit of effort you have to put in it and it's worth all the tough days uh to get there and it is like climbing a mountain it's tough but when you get to the top it's a beautiful view it is it is worth 
every bit. If you had one thing to leave, leave with everyone, just uh, one little extra little tip, what would that be? Man, my, uh, based on this conversation, um, my advice would be to, to train, not react. Train, not react. Dog gets in the water, drops his legs, starts swimming in 360s. You know, a reaction to that would be this dog can't swim, throw him in, take him out in the boat, chunk him in with no way to help him, make him figure it out, or give up on the dog, you know, get mad. Uh, dog refuses to pick something up that it should pick up. Or, you know, a reaction is to get angry, shove it in its mouth, tell it to hold. You know, there's a lot of ways that I think we react that are based on feelings. Uh, that aren't working toward uh, helping the dog to be better. Uh, we need to avoid that, and instead we need to, to think and process and actually work through it. So react less and think more, ask the right questions, and you'll you'll be much, much better off. Well, I don't think I could have said it any better. I, I do. Uh, I think that's great. And, you know, take that to the bank. What Barton just said, just take it to the bank, write it down, and, and just try to do it. Like we said, it's it's a um, it's it's a work in 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 progress. It takes time to, to get to where you can do that. But the big thing is, I think one other thing I, I would say, and that Barton was talking about, and really one of his mentors mentioned him. You know, if you find yourself in a situation where you're getting overly fl- frustrated and you find yourself reacting to the dog, you know, the question that that uh, his mentor asked him, you know, you know, what is that actually doing for you? Uh, you know, that's just a question to ask yourself. And when you ask yourself that question, you realize, well, at the end of the day, that's, it's not going to benefit us quite as much as if we were to calm down, stay focused and, and really help set that dog up for success. But, uh, Barton, I appreciate having you on tonight. This has been a jam packed session, (laughs) lots of great info here. And I really appreciate you sharing all of, all of your knowledge with us. Man, absolutely. It was a blast chatting with you, and uh, I can't wait to keep going with these. I can't wait to have some, uh, hopefully some of you guys even out listening on the show and uh, talk to you about what's been going on in your world with your dogs and see if we can't all learn a little bit of something from it, man. It's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Have a good night, man. Good talking. Thanks, Barton. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Build From Here podcast. To learn more about retriever training or our podcast, visit cornerstonegundogacademy.com slash podcast.